Hello, everybody. Gary Wilkerson here with my friend Keith Holloway. Uh, Keith is a co-worker with me at World Challenge and also a scholar, a theologian, and uh, has a great heart for God and a mind after the things of God. We've been discussing the attributes of God and how we need to have a high view of God rather than a low view of God, how the high view of God uh, will uh, cause our heart to explode with worship and adoration, fear of the Lord, love and justice uh, and mercy. Uh, all these attributes of God are so important to us. Uh, last week, we started talking about the justice of God, how, number one, it seems to be lacking in our um, understanding and, and our churches and our pulpits, very little is said about justice. Um, we talked about the low view of God being, uh, as you said, Keith, uh, uh, deconstructing God, moving away from certain elements of his character and nature, choosing only the qualities of God that we like the best. And so we've been on this, this is week two now of the justness or the justice or God being just a very important attribute of God. Uh, Keith, you were, t you were talking to me before about God and justice or justness in a legal sense, uh, kind of a courtroom type thing. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, I'll try. Yeah. The, uh, the fact that we established last week from the scriptures is that God declares himself as just. And then from uh, his justness, flows his justice. It's uh, his way of relating and working uh, with us, especially uh, those of us of the household of faith. And so God relates to us. In fact, in theology, it is called relative justice, where he, uh, because he is just, he, he looks upon all of his creation and he uh, is looking uh, from his position of justness and he makes determinations uh, of what is right and what is wrong, uh, not according to man's standards, but according to uh, his uh, nature, his attributes. And so he defines really what is morally uh, right and morally wrong. Uh, God's justness is the foundation uh, by which all human laws came into existence. Not saying that every human law now reflects the justness uh, of God, but it was the foundation. And of course, from the scriptures, uh, it, that is the foundation that we as believers live according to. We call it the law of God. It is the written expression of God, what is uh, who he is and what he expects of us. And so, when we talk about the justice of God, uh, we have to say that he alone sits uh, because he is the creator of all. He is also the governor of all. You, in other words, he is the government. He establishes the, the foundation of his government. And uh, the scriptures say that the government of God rests upon the shoulders of Christ. So he alone stands and makes judgments. Um, and we, we need to understand that the justice of God is multifaceted, but um, because he is just, then he does what is justice. And he, according to his standards of moral perfection, the, we would say the morality of God, the right and the wrongness that he declares what is right and what is wrong, he makes judgments. And that is uh, a legal sense. That when man falls short, when we sin, when we rebel against who he is and what he's declared, the laws that govern us, when we break those, then it brings us into judgment. It's a legal sense of, uh, well, I was sharing with you, uh, uh, where you can see a courtroom and we have uh, 
you know, the judge is sitting up typically higher uh, but so that he can look out upon everyone and everybody looks up to him. And then you have the uh, defense and you have the prosecution and they each come in and they present evidence and they're trying to present evidence in order to search for the truth. Um, and they lay out from their perspectives what they believe is true and what is right and what actually happened, a, a, a pursuit of the discovery of truth. And then all of that evidence then is uh, considered. Um, we would say in uh, Bible terms, there is a work of discernment trying to find the reality of what is good and right. And then what you have, you have the verdict. You have that justice being delivered through the verdict. And um, of course, we elevate that now out of the courtroom of man into the courtroom of God and where he then, in a legal sense, is the only one who is righteous. Beside him, there is none other. And he makes determinations for us or against us. So we have to realize that we're um, in a legal sense. Uh, and it's not something, again, if we have the right view of God, if we have our own view of God, we'll say we don't like that justice. But if we have the right view of God, we can fully find a place of comfort and support and really peace, knowing that in his perfection, he's going to do what is just and right, even by us, even though it may not always go our way. Yeah, yeah I love that. Uh, I've been amusing over that same topic of seeing God's justness and justice in the courtroom setting. And uh, you know, I just wrote myself some notes. We have a law that is decreed by lawmakers, legislative branch of the government. So they decree certain laws. Uh, then there is a possible lawbreaker, somebody who uh, moves against that law. Then there is a victim of uh, maybe so, so the law is saying you can't break into somebody's home. So there's the victim, somebody's home, your home is broken into. Then there's the lawbreaker uh, who who breaks into the home. Then there's the officer of the law who uh, will arrest uh, the, the person uh to to bring uh, hopefully start the process of justice towards the victim. Uh, then there's a prosecutor who determines the merit of the case that the officer has brought to the court. Uh, then there's a defender who attempts to plead on the behalf of the one uh, of the perpetrator of the the accused uh, what has been accused of the crime. Then there's a judge who hears both the defender and the prosecutor. Then there are witnesses that were brought into the case. There are often documents, you know, this is exhibited A. You and I have seen A Few Good Men in other movies. We've, you know, we mentioned that. Um, you know, and uh, exhibit A, exhibit B, though, you know, all those things are, are brought in. Uh, then there's a, oftentimes in the American system of justice, there is a, a, a you know, 12 person jury and they're listening to all this and they're making decisions. The judge doesn't actually make all the decisions himself, particularly on the actual verdict. Then a, then a, 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 then a verdict is given by the jury. Then a judge is, uh, reads the the verdict and will then do the sentencing, saying, "Okay, the the jury has said this is uh, guilty, and so I'm going to sentence you to the maximum. So it's you know 20 year uh, sentence. Then there's the prison act executes the judgment. Then there is also the appeals court that 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 uh, the accused then can say this was I was wrongly accused. Uh, I'm I'm getting out of breath just saying all that about how complex our courtroom system and how overwhelming it can be and how unjust, even with all of these, you see, in the, in the, in the lack of transcendent, the transcendence of God, like, you know, for us to speak of God in the terms of a human court is, is to some degree belitt belittling to God because he's so much higher than that. 
And when I look at all these at, uh, uh, things that are necessary for us to try our best to come up with a just decision, and, and, and we do it poorly at best, uh, even though it's the best system we have, the transcendence of God, God is almost everything that I mentioned there, he contained within himself. Uh, so he sees, uh, he sees, he sees the victim, and 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 he and his heart goes out. This is the transcendence of God. He he can see things that we can't see. Uh, then he he notices that the lawbreaker has brought the law, broken the law. Uh, he is the officer that that uh, does the condemnation, if you will, or the arrest. He he is the prosecutor who says to that person, kind of like Nathan and David pointing the bony finger, "Thou art the man. You you are accused of this." Of this crime, um, he's the judge that hears the case. He's the jury that decides the uh, guilt or innocence. He then is the one who, as you said, he is the one who rightly brings the just uh, judgment and punishment or acquittal uh, on, 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 on that. Then he uh, brings the sentence. He carries out the sentence himself, and uh, there's no need for an appeals court. He is he is always right. So you see the comparison. We what what would our life be like without the judicial system in America? We'd be in trouble. Lawbreakers would go wild, uh, crime would go up, and the victimization of our lives would be horrific. Uh, and so it's so important we have a judicial system. How much more important it is we have a perfect judicial system in the justness of God that he sees all things, knows all things, brings a right decision all things, and there's no need for appeal, no need for, for document A or B because he sees the... You know, when you link the justness of God with the omniscience of God, uh, that he knows everything, well, you can't, you can't escape either. If you've been victimized, the one who victimized you cannot escape his gaze, his finger pointing at them. Uh, if you have wronged someone, you can't escape. He knows you did it. Uh, you can't reason out of it. You can't trick the system. Um, he is all knowing. He knows before anything is brought to court. He knows it already. It is all powerful. You can't escape his hand. You can't escape his justice. You can't escape or his his vindication, his acquittal. You can't escape it if you're innocent and been falsely accused. You know, all these things show us the importance, the crucial nature of knowing that God is just and knowing the depth of that. That's why I encourage people that are listening to us, you know, don't just listen to this last week on justness of God and this week. But, but study this yourself. Go to the scriptures, and, and you'll find, uh, I think, 700 or so in the Old Testament about the justice of God, near 400-something. Uh, if you take in the word righteousness and justice together, um, you'll see this is a vast subject that we are just scratching the surface on, keeping us in this low view of God. But So that's it, it, it is good for us because God is just, uh, and justice has, has two forms. It's justice for and justice against. Justice is for is, is where God um, defends us. God, uh, if we're falsely accused, he acquits us. If, he, if we have been uh, oppressed, he uh, vindicates us and brings um, judgment against the perpetrator. He defends the widow and the orphan, the poor, uh, the, the, the hungry. These are the unjustly treated. He his justice does that. But then is the second, so that's justice for us. And then there's justice against the, the, the wicked. And, and we, we want that. You know, there's a Proverbs that says, I can't remember where it's found, but it talks about 
you know, that the, the, the righteous rejoice and the, the wicked uh, see justice. As, oh, I think the word maybe is like something like an abomination. You know, the 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 the, mm. the, the, the one who's rightly accused of, of crime does not want to have this all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing God be the judge of all and ruler of all things. But the victim does. We want God. And there, there's, you know, when, when we paint in our modern American culture uh, the this very soft, teddy bearish form of God that is, you know, the, the deconstruction of the other parts of the righteousness, the wrath, the justice, the truth of God, when we deconstruct God and to our own image and only have part of him in our view, we do ourselves a disservice because then we're not seeing, you know, we, we want God to be merciful, kind, just, but when we're wrong, all of a sudden, now we want God to be just. Now we want him to be, where's the wrath of God now when that, you know, criminal did that to my daughter? You know, and so uh, this, 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 the realization of the justice of God has a deep impact on our daily life. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, some, some of the simplest things of being gossiped about, uh, how, we, how we address that, you know, whether it hurts us deeply or we understand, no, God is a righteous judge and his judgments and his justice are, are right. This, this will be worked out in the courtroom of God um, or something more, you know, even when you talk about things like murder and rape and abuse, all those type of things that we can, we can trust that God has everything under control and he's going to vindicate and he's watching. I think it's important we understand these two natures of God, the two sides of the same coin of his justice being uh, for us and against the perpetrator. One last thing, and then when when you have this American culture, I think, and even in the, in the Christian church where don't dare paint God with a brush of wrath or vindication or or judgment, because that's the Old Testament God. And that's that's, you know, the when there's this whole school of thought now uh, against um, the uh, penal substitution, the substitutionary atonement of Christ, because they say that's divine child abuse, that the father is abusing the son. And how dare we picture God? God is a God of love. He would never do that. But, you know, in the book of Revelation, it says those who uh, have been you know, uh, caught up into to the throne room with God, when we see God's judgment on the earth, the bowls and the wrath and the uh, what's the is bowls, bowls and whatever those all those things are in Revelation when they're when they're uh, appeals when they're all released there's going to be this mass in heaven saying just and true are your ways you know holy 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 you know we're, we're actually going to finally see oh God was right hell is actually a right decision it's not you know like we look at it and go like oh you know God should have never gone that route. I wish he was, or maybe he's not going to, because I, you know, that's the universalistic thing that, you know, the Rob Bell teaching of eventually maybe all will get saved. And, uh, you know, we don't want a God who doesn't have in his nature, just judgment and righteousness. Uh, otherwise everything goes wrong on earth and in heaven. If he were to allow things to go in heaven, not being just and judgment in heaven, then heaven would not be heaven anymore. So, uh, we need that. So we, we see uh, we see this judge judgment in these two different things that are really important to us. Uh, I don't know. What, what, do you, what are you thinking, Keith? I'm, I'm talking a lot here. You, you want to follow up on any of that? Well, I'm I'm tracking with you. I, I'm I'm thinking also. Um, people often wonder how 
uh, how or on what basis does God make judgments? That's a good point. Uh, yeah. How does his justice flow? And the reality is uh, out of his character, his uh, attribute of being just, he has established just laws. Those laws that he's given are the way that he's chosen to relate to us and requires us to relate back to him is through his law, through his word. Um, I, I have written down Psalms 19, verse 7 and 8, and it just says that the law of the Lord is perfect. His statutes are right. The commandment of the Lord is pure. That same thought that the laws of God given to given as the means by which he will not only relate to us, but he will judge us, uh, is also reflected in the New Testament in Romans chapter 7, uh, I think verse 12. So here is a just God, and he's got all creation before him, and he, he utters out of his own will, according to his own plan and purposes, set laws that will govern his creation. And it's the way he will reveal himself. It's the way he will relate to his creation and the way that they must relate back to him. The, uh, those laws represent an opportunity, especially for uh, free will agents like humans, uh, to make decisions as to whether or not they will obey or disobey. Uh, how can there be any uh, judgments given if there is not a preset standard by which everything is judged against. So God has uttered his laws. Uh, those laws are perfect. They are right. They are just. They are complete. They're thorough. They're mm -hmm. pure. And uh, because they reflect him, they reflect him as being all of those different attributes. Let me interrupt you just for a second, just to clarify. When you're talking about his laws, you, and you, you just said it, there, it's, it comes out of his being. You're not necessarily talking about just the exclusive law of Moses, right? Or, I mean, that could be part of it, but you're talking about even the Abrahamic covenant, there's law there in a sense, or at the garden there was law. Uh, even now that grace is, you know, has a different role than the law, there's still the, the God in his nature has those laws still, right? Is that what you're saying? Sure. Uh, those uh, Mosaic laws are encapsulated in the overall expression of God right. through his uh, uttered and then written word. Uh, the, the, the Bible that we have is the law of God. Yeah. Uh, it's the Old Testament. It's the New Testament. Everything he uttered. Uh, Christ in the New Testament repeatedly referred back to uh, quotes and things in the Old Testament. Of mm -hmm. course, they didn't have the New Testament written then, so that's what he referred to. But at the time of Christ, the, the Pharisees, the religious uh, organized church at that time, they had taken traditions of men, ideas of God and ideas of what religion is or should be, and they had added laws to them. Uh, and I forget what, 600 and something laws, I think they added to the law of Moses. Uh, so they were really trying, in my, in my interpretation of that, they were really trying to rewrite God's laws in a way to 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 bring the low view of God, if you will, even though they expressed it uh, in a high view of God way. Yeah. Uh, they they expressed it, but then they didn't live it, uh, and they just kept adding laws. Um, and those are not what we're talking about. Thank God that we've been delivered from those laws of man, the traditions of man, uh, in the sense of being right with God. 
our rightness, or if I could say the wrongness uh, in relationship to God, is God judges that according to his uh, express laws. Yeah, you, see and, that, um, you see that in Jesus uh, tremendously, that, that in his justness, uh, being in the very form of God, nature of God, he, he would not put up with uh, the false rule, regulation, or code of justice of, of the Pharisaical, Sadducaical world. Uh, so, so you see his justice in that. You see Christ demonstrating the justice of God in saying that's not just when you treat, you know, when, when you when you demand others to do this and you're not even doing it yourself. That's not just. So this is again the the righteousness or the justice of God. Keep going. I'm sorry, but I just wanted to bring that in there that 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 Jesus demonstrated that. Well, when God established His laws, the the repercussions of that is that then every person that was under that law. Uh, was required and expected to live according to that law. If you lived in compliance, then there would be blessings flowing. If you chose to live in contradiction to and break those, then there would be a, a judgment uh, against you. There would be a punishment uh, given. Uh, and um, those that uh, broke God's laws were subject to penalties. Now, what happens today is, and, and it's happened, I think, probably ever since man took breath, uh, started with Satan. Did God really say? What, what was he challenging? He was challenging God himself, but he challenged God by challenging his laws. Did God really say you can't do that? That set law? That's not, uh, that's not, that's not right. You should be free will. You should be able to do whatever you want. He shouldn't judge you for that. And it continues to today. But the laws that God established, they are unchanging laws. Why? Because that's who he is, his immutability. So those unchanging laws that are absolute, uh, God doesn't change them because he doesn't change. And every person under those laws has to comply. We cannot change the laws of God. It doesn't matter how much we twist and pervert and uh, sugarcoat. Uh, there are there are laws that are in place and they're going to be enforced. Yeah. And so it behooves us to see God in the correct way that he is just, he is going to be fair, he's going to be impartial, he's going to be non-discriminatory, but he's judging not by our standards, he's judging by himself. And his laws reflect that. Yeah. And so the laws are set. We we have to obey that. Those laws that God has set, they demand judgment. They demand a verdict. Uh, it's hard for us to comprehend, but the Bible says that all of mankind was guilty under sin to where every mouth was shut. And there's no excuse from Adam until the person newest born baby today. We've all come under the guilt of sin. We can, we can kick against that. We can try to to, to scientifically or philosophically fight against that. But that is an absolute, immutable, unchanging, eternal law. And God judges accordingly. But as you said, in the judgment of God, uh, there are both, or in uh, we say in the final verdict of God, there are uh, those verdicts that go for reward and verdicts that go for uh, punishment. And it each man will be uh, judged according to what he did in the body, whether they be good or evil. And that, that judgment is based upon God's laws.
Yeah, that's where the, and I think we'll talk about this in another episode coming up in the near future, um, where, you know, none of these attributes of, of God are as, we can't see them as a high view unless we bring Jesus Christ into the, into the mix of the things. And so this whole issue of law, the justice of God, retribution, the punishment of God, um, all, you know, without Christ in the center of all this, we would be lost. We would be hopeless that the law is too high for us. The demands are too high for us and the punishment is too great for us. And so we need a savior. This is, but, but most people don't know they, you know, save from what? Why would I need a savior? Well, because they, they don't think they need a savior because they don't know the law and the justice of God. Therefore, it's, it's a very light thing to say. Maybe, maybe I'll get saved if it's, if it favors me in the sense of it'll, kind of help build my career and help me feel a little bit more uh, self-esteem about myself. And so even salvation itself or you know, accepting Christ now is very different definition maybe than in the late, late 1800s, early 1900s here in America, where it was seen as repentance was required because God is a just God and he will punish and there is an eternal separation from God and we need a, a savior. So let's, let's, let's hold off on that and talk about that. In the future podcast, where not that we want to hold off on talking about the most important, because I think that is the most important aspect of justice, is that justice was met at the cross. Uh, all the things we're talking about today, the law, the justice of God, the punishment of God, the, the vindication of God, and the acquittal uh, is all wrapped up in that Romans passage of uh, that he is both just and justifier, that God remains just. Uh, so, so, he, so he didn't let us off the hook. You know, Proverbs tells us that you know the, the, those who who bring uh, acquit the, the guilty and bring judgment to the righteous are, are are wicked, and so God can't be wicked. So we'll talk about that in just a little bit. A little bit more about the justice of God, though, before we close here to, today, is just how vast and important you know this role is. And, and I just want to mirror and echo what you're saying there. How important it is that we really want God to be a just God. First uh, Chronicles. 16.3 says, Then shall the trees of the woods sing out at the presence of the Lord, because he cometh to judge the earth. You know, and so, so you know, the, you've read that passage, Keith, right, where it says, The trees of the field clap their hands. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems like Chronicles is saying the reason they're clapping their hands is because God is a just God. And and, and God is so, um, he, he demonstrates his justness so profoundly that he takes joy in, and I was reading this week, Keith, um, going back to Solomon again in First um, um, Kings, I think it's First Kings chapter three, verse nine, where it begins to describe Solomon. Remember Solomon's choice. Uh, and I remember growing up in Sunday school, and I, I don't know. I don't, this is not a trick question, but what would, what would you say, Keith, if 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 what's the common descriptor of what Solomon chose uh, when he was given? Like, you know, if you could have one thing that you want, what would you choose? Um, what would you What would you say it would be? Yeah, you mean when he was uh, placed as king? Yeah, and he was uh, before the Lord and was making a request. Yeah, and remember, he, I remember he asked for. Sorry, go ahead. No, I remember in Sunday school and he asked for. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 making. I want to make sure I'm I'm in the flow here. And you're being you. you're, you're being too cautious. Most of us say wisdom, right? Like you ask for wisdom, yeah. But but actually, if you if you read it there, First Kings three nine. But to judge righteously, um, 
that his desire was give me wisdom to judge righteously. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, like I think what he was saying is give me a heart like yours. You're you you lead the nations and you do it so justly. I want to be like you, so I need wisdom to do that. I think we often ascribe Solomon's great request as being, I want wisdom. I want to be the wisest man on the face of the earth. And he was actually called that. Why was he called that? Because he was so just in his in his righteous discernment of situations and judgments that he made uh, over Israel. And so it's a it's kind of a type and shadow, I think, of of, of God Himself or of Christ that. And that's, that, again, is the marrying of these attributes, wisdom and, and the justice uh, are, are married together in the form. And so Solomon asked for this and God says, you know, you've asked for a great thing. This is amazing. You're asking for. And so in our conversation about the justice of God, you know, we want to know the attributes of God because we are being conformed into his image. And so we are becoming more just. Justness is becoming part of our character and nature not compared to God's, obviously, because his is infinite and his is transcendent and ours is temporal and and human in his form. But to some measure degree, we begin to become more just and judge fairly and rightly. Uh, very practical. Here's a very practical thing. When I, when I recognize now uh, it's not wise to treat my wife a certain way, uh, then, then I make a just decision to, 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 to shift my... Uh, behavior, and so I treat her more kindly, more graciously. I treat neighbors. I, I, we, I will challenge our missions organization. Our whole uh, relief and development is based on God wants to justly bring the oppression of the poor and the and the needy uh, to, uh, to bear. So we use God's wisdom to make decisions. Uh, you know, and how many times, Keith, of you and I, when we were doing missions discussions, say like, you know, that that kind of helping hurts. You know, it's, it's you're going to you're going to um, just enable people to live off welfare rather than helping them be lifted out of poverty. And so that that's us kind of becoming having some of the, the justice of God. So we rejoice. Number one, we rejoice in that God is just. Number two, we want the heart of Solomon to say, God, give me the wisdom to have the justice, uh, the just nature that that you have. And then three, I'd say and this is my last comment. Then I want you to, to, to wrap things up here today. Um, that I think it's important for us to understand that the word uh, justice in both the New Testament and the Old Testament originally has to do with scales. Uh, if you remember some of those passages of Scripture where it talks about, you know, you, you're, you weigh the scales in, a, in an unequal way, you know, to balance things for your favor rather than for the poor or the needy. So God's scales are perfectly balanced. Uh, it's unequal um, or inequality. Uh, is the the word kind of morphed into inequity? Uh, that's that's an inequity thing, and that same word then morphed into iniquity, and we we look at iniquity as I, I sinned, I transgressed, I missed the mark, and another way of of describing sin is actually having an unequal balance. God says you should have this in your life equal to my desire of it, this much holiness, this much love, this much grace. Mm-hmm. But when, when it's unbalanced and we say, no, I don't want to have that much grace. I want to be mean spirited. Well, it's imbalanced. That's, in, that's inequality in our character being married to God's character. Uh, and, and that inequality is God, uh, his justice, seeing that as an, an inequality or an, an, an iniquity against him. And that's where the judgment comes. And that's where we need Christ 
to to bear our sins on the cross. You know, in 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 our place, He stands condemned of all these iniquities if we trust in Him. And so, but if not, we we are stuck in a life that's unjust or unequal or iniquity, and therefore God. Uh, and we'll talk in the upcoming weeks about the judgment of God is is upon all the all this iniquity, all this. Uh, justice that has not been placed in that cup of wrath that Jesus drank and that that was placed upon him on the cross, without any of that, then God is still a God of wrath and God is still a God of judgment being birthed out of his his, um, just nature. So anyway, I'm going to let you wrap things up. We've got a few more minutes here. Uh, What would be your closing thoughts as we uh, hope to encourage people to understand the just just nature of God? Well, it's uh, it's hard to wrap up such a large topic uh, down to a few final thoughts, but um, I, I would I would like to I guess leave in our minds uh, there there's a quote I read this week that said that the justice of God is fully satisfied only when there is restoration, and I thought that was so uh, profound that uh, when you when you think of uh, this God who is just, when you think that he has established his laws by which he will govern and by which he relates to people, and the fact that those are good, righteous, pure, true, and holy laws, and anyone that will uh, uh, read those, that will study those, and obviously submit to those, uh, he wants to bring a restoration. He wants to bring a fullness and a wholeness back to us. Uh, all, all mankind is under sin. We've come under the law. Therefore, we're all guilty. And if we left people at that place, that would be quite a, quite a shame because even God himself doesn't leave people there. Uh, he's, he makes a, a, a way of escape for us. And so uh, there is something of God in each of us. We've said in past podcasts, Gary, how uh, the attributes of God, us being made in his image, means that we do carry some of those same attributes. Uh, they are, because of sin and the fall of man, they have been marred. They, they've been um, uh, brought out of focus, but those still remain. Think how much of us, uh, within each of us, there is a sense of justice. That's <laughs> that sense of right and wrong. I start laughing because I think sometimes I am so holy I think I'm really tracking with the Lord. I think I'm really uh, doing good. Uh, then I go drive and uh, somebody cuts in front of me or somebody takes too Oh, I tell you, uh, not only uh, uh, maybe uh, shines a too deep light on my spirituality, but something rises up in me. And I want to say to them, what you've done is wrong. And I want to beep the horn or I want to tailgate them or something, you know, to let them know. I've even said to my wife sometime when she uh, when she hollers at me to stop, uh, I say, but they did wrong and they're not going to know it unless I point it out to them. You know, so uh, we have an innate desire. Uh, and can I say a need for justice? Yeah. Uh, we do not tolerate uh, injustices very well. Um, and um, of course, in our society, in our world, we have global efforts of uh, high of high levels trying to undo the injustices that we see in, in life. So 
we we have to understand who God is, and we have to understand that uh, because He's just, He expects justice uh, and justness from us. If if we are there, then there will be grace and mercy. If not, there is the right and just punishment that will come our way. So I look forward to the next uh, broadcast or two to where we can uh, explore and look at um, how wonderful. Because, you know, there's what we're going to see, I think, is going to see a wonderful blending of justice and mercy. We sometimes think of those of oil and water that they just don't mix. But in reality, they really do. Uh, and it's a wonderful scene. So I think that we'll uh, look at some scriptures next week uh, that look at uh, that topic. And so um, if anyone today, though, is feeling that that because of their circumstances, because of events that have transpired, uh, you know, the enemy of our souls, the, that great adversary, he, he seeks to play upon our sense of justice and injustices. And he can quickly come in and trick us and bring a condemnation to us and also make us believe things about God that are not true. So I hope that we've been able to spur some people to think higher uh, and to think more true and more biblically of God. And that some today that bear burdens uh, and, and are bearing a, uh, during a time of suffering, that they would not be overwhelmed. They would be able to reconcile Maybe not all of the events, but they'll be able to reconcile in themselves the fact that, okay, maybe I've looked at God wrongly. Maybe I've defined him in uh, according to a wrong standard. And this has helped someone today. I, I hope, I pray, and we just uh, trust the Lord that that's the case. And going forward, um, this next bit as we look at justice and move into judgment and we see uh, the work of Christ, I think it'll be a wonderful uh, time for us all, and uh, there'll be some truths that will set people free. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for those closing thoughts. My closing comments would be: uh, I wonder. I don't know if this has crossed your mind while we were talking here this past few weeks. I wonder when people hear us talking about the wrath and the judgment and the justice and the court type thing of, of God, that they might be asking the question because I think it's very natural for us. Well, what about mercy? What, what about grace? You know, you all seem to be. You know, are you kind of like Old Testament prophets or something like that? Well, that's the that that is exactly what we are hoping, and I think that's exactly what God's hoping for. That He introduces the law, that He introduces His justice and His judgments, uh, in order to get put a yearning in our heart for His mercy, and that points to Christ again. The, the work that He did on the cross to satisfy the, the the wrath of God was placed upon Christ to satisfy, so we can find mercy and grace in our time of need when we haven't met the law's demands. And so, yes, we will go to mercy. Now, the, the, the problem is oftentimes if we were done the last three weeks on mercy, I don't know that there'd be a whole lot of people asking, well, what about the justice of God? You know, we, we tend to, again, as we've said during this last few weeks of the podcast, we tend to build this totem pole of the, the attributes of God that we most want to have impact in our life. And we want to bring balance to that and, and uh, harmony to that where the, every note is being hit. And so we're not neglecting the mercy or the the love or the grace of God. Matter of fact, we're going to get into it. But I think the grace, mercy, and just the grace and mercy and uh, lovingness of God has that much more uh, impetus and power in our life when we see it through the lens of well, He's a holy God. So when 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 He did what He did 
on the cross, that the, the weight of that is so much more significant because he's satisfying his just character. He's satisfying his judgment. Rather, instead of judging us, it was placed on, on Jesus. And that's that's profound. Um, one last scripture verse that I wanted to bring to our, our attention is Job 20, uh, 37, 23. Touching the Almighty or speaking of the Almighty, we cannot find him out. And so, Keith, I know you and I agree to this. As, as best as we've been able to try to describe the justice of God, we've fallen far short. It, 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 you know, we we don't want a low view of God, so we're aspiring to a higher view of God. But we've only begun to scratch the surface through a glass darkly, through a veil, the, the attribute of the justice of God. So, so Job acknowledges that. We cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice, and he will not afflict. Uh, so his justice has this desire to, uh, his justice has to afflict the unrighteous, but he has a way of doing it. And we'll talk about that, as we said, in the upcoming podcast uh, as well. Also, I want uh, our listeners to really uh, be uh, on alert for the next coming weeks, because we're going to be hitting some important topics um, after we talk about the justice being satisfied in Christ. And then we're going to go on to talk about judgment of God. So if he's if he's just, he has to judge. How does he judge? Is he still judging today? We know he judged in the Old Testament. We have uh, the, the, the the flood in Genesis 3. We have the Tower of Babel, the separation. We have uh, Egypt, the, the plagues coming. God judges the unjust, uh, as also bringing judge, judgments in, on his own people, even in uh, Israel being judged. Uh, in the future, we're going to see, obviously, you know, the wrath of God being poured out. Romans 3 talks about that, the storing up the wrath of God for the day of wrath. And Revelation is a whole book on the, the bowls being outpoured on the wrath of God. The question we want to ask in the judgment of God is, are these prophetic words that we hear sometimes, God is judging America or God is judging sin, God is judging because of abortion, God is judging because of sexual immorality. Uh, are these accurate or are is there still judgment of God today? And that's going to be an important um, reality to us so that we don't get a bent, again, towards certain attributes um, towards God. And we want to talk about um, uh, some of the prophetic words that are coming out in society now uh, and how so many of them have missed the mark of uh, because they've avoided the reality that God is still a judge today. His character, his immutability is not changed. He can't change. And so we'll talk about the, the judgment of God after that, the wrath of God. And then uh, we'll move into some of the other aspects of God that people might, uh, by that time, if, they, if they're if they avid listeners, they're going to be like sweating by the brown. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, we're not talking about wrath anymore. We're talking about uh, the mercy of God, the love of God, and all those things. And, and again, all of these attributes are important. And we, our hope in this is the, the outcome would be a high view of God. The yeah. outcome would be then a trust in God, a settled trust where you don't have to have somebody uh, build you up every Sunday saying like, you're going to be, you know, you're going to make it, come on, hang in there, uh, peace, peace. You know, you, you have a settled peace because you know the nature of God. Uh, you have joy then because of that peace. Therefore, your, the worship just flows out of you. You become a, a worshiper. You have ever more of a hunger for the word of God because you see him in such a high view. So, so for the Christian, the attributes of God could not be more important. And um, so, so stay tuned for some good episodes coming up in the upcoming weeks. Thanks, Keith, for being with us today. Thanks. Here in the upcoming week. See you soon.
The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.